Hello, and welcome to another virtual author event at the Poison Pen Bookstore. I'm John Charles, and today we are especially blessed to have with us two industry professionals, Aaron Galloway and Kristen Sapola from Berkeley, who are going to talk about some upcoming titles on their radar. Um, before we begin, I would like to let those tuning in know that if you'd like to order the titles Aaron and Kristen are talking about, we do have them listed in Poison Pen, so you're more than welcome to give us a call or go online and we can connect you with what promises to be some fabulous fall reading. Now I'd like to welcome Aaron and Kristen, and I'd like to start with having them both tell us, before you, you talk about books, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I find you both fascinating. Aww. Thank you so much, John, for having us. Always a pleasure to talk with you and fill your readers in on what we're excited about. Uh, so I'm Erin Galloway. I'm the Director of Publicity at Berkeley. Uh, I got my start with Berkeley, what well, feels like forever ago now. Um, but I came to the industry specifically because I loved reading romance fiction. It was what I was most passionate about and wanted it to be my day job. Uh, so I got my start. Uh, at a small mass market publisher that no longer exists, Dorchester, but I got my start doing romance. And very happily, a couple of years later, I came over to Berkeley and I joke that now they can't kick me out um, because I have been here for so long, but I really love that every single day I get to work on romance. It's a true joy. And I think I have the best job in the world because I get to read books and fall in love with them and then tell other people why they should love them too. That's great. What about you, Kristen? Uh, so I'm Kristen, and I am a publicist here at Berkeley. I've actually been with Berkeley almost two years now. Um, before that, I was at another house. Um, but now that I get to work with romance, I feel extremely lucky, as Erin said. Um, I love romance. I always have. And the second I met Erin and started to gush about all of the spicy reads we both like, I knew it was a match made in heaven. So um they also cannot get rid of me because I'm just obsessed with Berkeley and our list. That's great. I know you have some terrific titles to talk about. What's the first book that you want to share with us? All right. The first book is actually an August release, so people can get their hands on it now. And it is My Roommate is a Vampire by Jenna Levine. Oh, I love that uh, book. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, so as if this title wasn't perfect enough, right? Uh, as someone that grew up in the era of shiny vampires, I knew the moment I picked this one up that I would be a goner. Uh, I feel like it's very important to note that I tend to not put my teenage obsessions on blast the way I do, but this book is just too nostalgic not to. Um, so what would you do if you desperately needed a place to live and you just so happened to find a super cheap and incredibly nice apartment? Well, I'm glad you asked because Jenna Levine has written the most perfect paranormal debut that answers just that. Our main character's name is Cassie and the apartment she found is too good to be true. Uh, that's because her roommate, Frederick J. Fitzwilliam, just so happens to be a very attractive vampire who needs his new roommate to teach him how to survive the modern world. It's a for forced proximity, tropetastic rom-com that lovers of all things paranormal won't be able to get, a rid get enough of. It's super fun, it's laugh out loud, and it's kind of the perfect gateway book if you are new to the paranormal subgenre. Yeah, it's, I love her sense of humor, and it comes across in those little notes that are left between the hero and the heroine as they get to know each other. Yeah, their banter is so fun. Well, I am excited to hop in with another book that is already on sale, and this is Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez-Gilliland. And I just think 
Raquel is an absolutely beautiful writer, uh, a poet and a novelist. Her writing has this real kind of hypnotizing lyrical quality to it um, that just hooks you from the first line. Um, legend goes that generations ago, uh, a Flores woman offended uh, the old gods and their family was cursed as a result. Now every woman born uh, to the family has a touch of magic. And we'll just say they don't always feel good about this touch of magic. So our heroine, Sage Flores, has been running from her family and their gifts uh, ever since her younger sister, Skye, died eight years ago. Um, after now losing a job she loved um, and a relationship, Sage reluctantly returns to her hometown and must confront both literal and figurative ghosts. She has complicated relationships with the dead sister that keeps bringing her coffee, the alive sister whose anger can literally fill the sky with lightning, and her loving but somewhat absentee aunt. And Sage has plant magic. She can identify any plant because plants speak to her. And if she walks by a plant, it will likely bend or move closer to touch her. Uh, she goes back to her job at the Cranberry Rose Company, and her boss asks her to search for unusual heritage plants in the surrounding area. This task is complicated by the fact that her work partner is Tennessee Reyes. He broke her heart in high school, and she's never really recovered. We love a second chance romance. So working together reminds her of their shared past and all her hopes and dreams. Um, seeing him as an adult, their connection feels you know, even more powerful and inevitable. Um, this book just captivated me. Um, it's beautifully written, achingly romantic, uh, and it has the complicated family relationships that come with deep love and deep hurt. And if you're someone who enjoys being outdoor, you will love Sage. Uh, and if the outdoor doesn't normally appeal to you, um, you might be surprised at the way you look at plants and nature um, and the world around you after spending time with Sage. I also want to note that if you're a reader who doesn't normally read paranormal romance, this is an incredibly accessible read. It feels like the world we live in, because it is, um, with someone who just appreciates the everyday magic in nature around us. And if you feel like you could use a little bit of that magic in your life, welcome Sage and her book into your home. That sounds great. All right, up next is The Takeover by Carly Walker. Um, so Home for the Holidays gets a thrilling twist in this incredible debut action rom-com. I quite literally could not put this one down when I read it. It was so much fun. Uh, and if you're looking for your next book boyfriend, then I have the perfect candidate for you. Our main character, Sydney Swift, is in the CIA, except obviously no one knows about it. Uh, so when she's sent home for the holidays to investigate her sister's fiance, who may or may not be in the mob, there's a lot at stake to say the least. The problem is she spent the last five years pretending to be someone other than herself and her family has no idea who she really is. And she's starting to question who she really is as well. The more time she spends at home with her little sister and grandmother, who you will instantly fall in love with, I want to add, the more she begins to question if all of those years dedicated to the CIA were actually worth it. Throw in a sexy bodyguard who makes it impossible to focus on the task at hand, and you have this year's most hilarious holiday caper. It's festive and funny and so swoon-worthy. There are huge themes of sisterhood and family and holiday traditions that will pull at your heartstrings. 
Um, I haven't met one person who hasn't had an absolute blast while reading the takedown, and I think readers will absolutely adore it. Next, next up, this just came out last week, is A Dawn of Onyx by Kate Golden. If you love romantic fantasy, otherwise known as romanticy, then Kate Golden's Sacred Stone series is about to be your new favorite. We just re-released book one, A Dawn of Onyx, and have book number two coming out in the spring. Uh, this is a TikTok phenomenon and loved by so many, especially fans of authors like Sarah J. Moss or Jennifer Armand Trout. Uh, our main character, Arwen, lives a very quiet life, but has a very big secret. She has healing abilities that no one knows about other than her family because it can be really dangerous. Uh, when her brother becomes a deserter to the war, however, she is taken as a prisoner in his place by the most dangerous kingdom and is then forced to use her magical abilities to heal the soldiers of the vicious Onyx King. What she doesn't expect is to slowly fall in love with said Onyx King. He may be vicious to the world, but to Arwen, he is something completely different. He has a soft side that no one else but her sees. But this kingdom isn't safe for her. There are dangerous royals, a lot of dark magic, wicked fae, and dangerous beasts, all of whom can destroy her. But that's until the spark within her is lit. Um, untold power lies dormant inside of her. And the moment she discovers her true potential, everything about her world will change. Book one left me on the edge of my seat and I was desperate for book two. Um, fortunately for all readers, you do not have to wait as long as I did because uh, book two, A Promise of Peridot, comes out in a few short months. Um, this book is everything I love about the romanticy subgenre. It's cozy and adventurous and it has a hero that gives you all the feels. Um, and if you're a big fan of romantic fantasy novels, then I think you will absolutely adore A Dawn of Onyx. Let me ask you a question, Kristen, because yeah. I've been fascinated by this, and actually Aaron can weigh into this whole romanticy phenomenon that's come up over like the last year or so. How do you know in marketing when a book is skewing towards romance readers versus fantasy readers? Is there like a certain demarcation? Is it how do you, how, I mean, if you're in a bookstore or a library, where do you go to find these books? It's a really good question. <laughs> um, I know for myself, and Erin might also have very good answers. For myself, when I'm looking for a romantic fantasy, I tend to like um, maybe heavier on the romance than a more traditional fantasy would, would uh, be. So for me, romanticies tend to be, um, it still has very complex world building, but it's maybe a little bit more digestible for a new reader to the fantasy genre. So it's a little easier to understand. Um, some of the best fantasy novels in, in the world can, you know, they have very complex dynamics to them and that's what makes them great. I think romanticy maybe is not as complex because a lot of the focus is on the romance between the, um, the main character and the hero or heroine. Hmm, that's great. Yeah, I would agree. I think when you're reading a romanticy, it usually is going to tip a little bit more romance than it will fantasy. The world building will still be incredible. Um, but I might even say, depending on the author, it might be like 60% romance, 40% fantasy. So you'll still have those um, complex, exciting worlds, often political intrigue or machinations. Um, and often a high fantasy quest, um, but an incredibly satisfying romance. And I, I think one of the great things about romanticy um, that is harder to do 
in a, say, paranormal romance. In a paranormal romance, you typically have like your couple pairing um, happen over the course of one book. It, it can change, but typically it's one book. Um, whereas in romanticy, you can take multiple books to tell the story of two characters. Um, and that's often kind of expected because there is so much world building and overarching plot expected um, that it is going to take you some time. So Sarah J. Moss is a great example. Um, and this is, you know, probably Anne Bishop would not think of herself as romanticy. And she I think is weighted quite evenly between romance and fantasy. Um, but she is an author on our backlist that I always think of. It's like kind of my um, starting point into the fantasy genre. And when I tell people, oh, I started reading fantasy when I read Anne Bishop, they always kind of roll their eyes like, well, of course, Erin, that's where you got your start because she writes such beautiful love stories. I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. Um, that's why she hooked me early on. Um, but yes, I think romanticy is incredibly fun because it blends the things we enjoy, I think, most about um, both of the worlds. And something that I enjoy that fantasy does is it often has found family, you know, kind of you creating the community that you want to be a part of, that your family of origin does not necessarily make you exclusively who you are, that who you choose to surround yourself does. Um and I really think that romanticy has a lot of those wonderful elements of, yes, family of origin, possibly, but also the family that you find and the family you make. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that I, I really love it, too. Thank you. Um, in the romanticy sphere, I have another book for you. Sure. Um, this is Katie Roberts' Hunt on Dark Waters, which comes out November 7th. Um, this is the book we've all been waiting for. We are so excited to be launching Katie Roberts' upcoming new series. Uh, book one, Hunt on Dark Waters, takes readers to the magical high seas in an addicting and oh-so-spicy story of witches, pirates, vampires, and so much more. When an impulsive witch with sticky fingers accidentally falls through a portal into another realm, she finds herself face-to-face -face with a pirate crew whose captain is incredibly sexy and even more dangerous. What can absolutely go wrong? Um, book two comes out in 2024. We cannot wait to go back to this world. We've all been dying um, to see where Katie takes us. Um, and it's no surprise that Katie's storytelling is unmatched. She balances spice with plot in such an incredible way. And whether you're new to uh, the romanticy genre or a veteran, you don't want to miss this book. It's inclusive. It's fun. It's spicy. There's a really sexy scene involving telekinesis. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but it'll be worth the wait for book two, I will say. She is such an amazing writer. I never thought I would be interested in reading about the Boston Mafia, but somehow she made it interesting. She does it all. Like she's amazing. And I'm so, um, I just love hearing her talk about her writing. Um, and how creative she is. It's amazing. Well, and now here is where I have to admit that from here on out, we're just going to get very mean because we're talking about books that you will have to wait a longer stretch of time before you can get your hands on. So apologies in advance, but I promise you the wait will be worth it. Uh, and the first book up is Raiders of the Lost Heart by Joe Segura. Uh, if you like action adventure, uh, in your romance and rivals to lovers, then this debut romance is for you. Uh, think Indiana Jones, but with a badass female Mexican-American archaeologist. Like, isn't that sexy in and of itself? 
Um, so it's been Dr. Corey Mejia's life goal to lead an expedition into the Mexican jungle in search of the remains of an ancient warrior of the Aztec empire, a warrior she believes to be her ancestor. And when she's invited at the very last minute to join just such a dig, all expenses paid, she knows something's up but she just can't resist the opportunity. Now, as the world-renowned expert on this warrior, Chimali, she should already be leading the dig. So when she arrives to find that the dig leader is none other than her longtime rival, the disgustingly attractive Dr. Ford Matthews, she is pissed. Ford has been competing with her and beating her out for the best career opportunities since grad school. And honestly, he's not thrilled to invite her. His personal life is in shambles, and he's pretty embarrassed that he's gotten nowhere on this dig so far. And as they begin working together, the two have to admit a grudging respect for one another's work ethic. And the attraction that simmered between them in grad school really reaches inferno level in the jungle. I'm just going to say the steam was like touching me as I read. It was most excellent. Um, further complications to their lives include artifact smugglers, a very challenging dig sponsor, and um, Ford is keeping some pretty significant secrets from Corey. Um, now, somehow, Joe Segura delivers a peek inside the world of archaeological digs, the challenges of being a woman in color in academia, and adventure and steam all in one marvelous package. Um, you truly don't want to miss like this fun, sexy read from an absolute rising star of an author. I could not have enjoyed it more. Is this a debut, Erin? It is. Oh, I love finding a new author. Yeah, I think people are going to love discovering her and there is much more to come. I'm really excited. She's very talented. I do just want to chime in that when Erin and I were on a very, very public train together when she out loud said to me, wait till you get to the scene uh, in the tent. There's a vibrator involved. <laughs> and honestly, it made me want to read it more. So, yes. It's a good scene. Hmm. And I think, is it over to you next, Kristen? Or do um, I have one more? You have one more. Oh, I have one more. That's right. Um, so the next one, this one's really far out again, apologies. Um, I fell in love with this also debut novel. Um, when I Think of You by Maya Ariel is out uh, in April. And this is really like a knockout of a debut novel. If you love deeply emotional stories and are a fan of Jasmine Guillory, Kennedy Ryan, or Carly Fortune, you'll enjoy this book. Uh, this second chance romance takes place between Kalia Watson, a receptionist at a film studio, and hotshot movie director Danny Prescott. They were classmates in film school, and it will remind many readers of the relationship between the hero and heroine in Beach Read. Um, a few years behind the reception desk, Kalia's dream of being a film producer seems incredibly far away. She came to Hollywood with big dreams, and they've mostly been dashed or deferred. So when the man who broke her heart in film school wants her to join him on the most important production of his career, 
which is telling the real life story of his parents falling in love in the Jim Crow South. She just can't turn down the opportunity. And as Kalia and Danny work together on such an emotional movie, they open up to each other and begin to rekindle the special connection that they had years before. But when Hollywood politics, scandal, and a very persistent ex uh, threaten to sink the production, both will have to decide what they're willing to do for their careers and for love. And like our fabulous heroine, Kalia, Maya Ariel moved to Hollywood with big ideas and dreams only to find herself answering phones for four years as a receptionist at Universal. So she really understands the struggle of being recognized for your worth um, in such a hierarchical environment. Maya went on to earn a master's degree in specialized journalism uh, for the arts from the University of Southern California, where she now works as the chief program officer for a research center for black media and social justice. Um, and her first novel is truly fantastic um, and special. I think it's an important book and I'm really excited for readers to discover her this spring. So mark your calendars um, to pick up this book from the Poison Pen on April 16th. Definitely. All right. So last book on our list, and this is a Mayerly, so apologies in advance. Um, this is This Summer Will Be Different by Carly Fortune. In full transparency, every time I talk about this novel, I cry, uh, but I promise not to do that this morning. Uh, this is all to say that This Summer Will Be Different is one of the most moving novels I have read in a long time. Carly absolutely outdid herself as she takes her next sweeping love story to Prince Edward Island. I won't say much because I am nothing if not a tease with my romances, but if you love oysters, a sexy friends with benefits situation, and a friendship that will leave you a puddle, much like me, uh, this summer will be different, will hurt you in the best way possible. Um, it's sexy and it's so emotional and it's absolutely the perfect summer read and I cannot wait for you to get your hands on this one. Oh, that sounds terrific. Um, if I can, there's a book that's on Berkeley's upcoming list that you haven't mentioned that I'd like to have you um, weigh in a little bit and I'd like to push because I was fortunate to get uh, a peek at it. It's coming in January from one of my favorite authors, J-Man Krentz. It's called Night Island. And all I can say is um, she has the ability to put things like killer vegetation and vegetarian cooking into the same book and make you believe the story is great. What is it about Jane and her ability to write these amazing books? Oh, John, you are telling me... Uh I have always loved Jane's writing. She's one of my favorite romantic suspense authors. And I think what's so special about the way that Jane will craft a romantic suspense and incorporate these elements of, you know, kind of the paranormal or psychics is she grounds all of it in such reality that these people feel like people we could meet. Maybe they're more dangerous than you or I, um, but they really do just feel like someone we could know in our actual life. So often her psychics are, are not thrilled with the abilities that they have. And even if those abilities are incredible, they still are not the 
kind of ability where their psychic powers are going to, you know, explode the world. Jane really roots them in a sense of, oh, this could actually happen. Um, or it would make sense if someone had some kind of underlying ability that they could do this thing or that it might put them in this kind of harm. Um, and something that I always love to get her talking about is the fact that there were like major universities that did research into people's psychic powers. And like, this is not even all that long ago. Um, it's so fascinating to me, like a former research librarian. Um, of course, Jane tracked down all of this fascinating info. And I think probably sometimes she doesn't even realize how much of that provided like interesting um you know, kind of background information that she's teased out in many different ways over the years. But I really love that she always creates characters that I just want to know and be friends with. Uh, and she puts them in incredibly challenging situations. And yes, they will react with heroism, but they will also react like a person who is horrified to be in harm's way if they typically just work a regular day job. I mean, I really like that she's not creating a main character that feels all that different from me. You know, there are plenty of stories where I do not want to insert myself into the plot. I don't want vampires running after me. I don't want to be in a post-apocalyptic future, like no interest in any of that. Now, a very sexy man, you know, who perhaps, you know, can read through my aura that I am like a wonderful person. Sure. I'd be up for that. Can he also tell when I'm pissed? I mean, that wouldn't actually be a bad thing. I think like probably most men, he would still not know why I'm pissed because every male in my family still never seems to understand why my mother is irritated and she will not hesitate to tell them you should already know. Um, you can see we're winning at communication struggles, but, um, I really think that Jane creates characters that we recognize and love in the real world. So we instantly recognize them in her stories as well. And she's just always a delight to read. If you read her books and you think she must be a wonderful person, she is. She's also very consistent. You always know there's going to be a certain level of excellence to all of her books. Some authors, you never know, it can be hit or miss, but mm -hmm. Jane constantly hits that mark. That brings me to something else I'd like both of you to maybe talk a little bit about, because I didn't really realize the importance of this until maybe a year or so ago, but that's mm. for authors, um, how important pre-orders are. We're talking oh. about books that are coming in the fall and next spring, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can't reserve them or whatever term it is that yeah. you use. And that really matters to authors and to publishers. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, demand is critical, uh, especially, you know, in today's society. I mean, I think we have all seen the challenges that every business is going through, whether that's a very small local business, you know, right up to a huge corporation that's, you know, 20 times the size of ours. Um, it's important that we know what the demand is um, in the marketplace. So a pre-order lets kind of the first line of defense, which is the bookstore, know that you're interested in that title. And if 10 people come in to their local store and place a pre-order, that's going to have the local bookstore saying, oh, if 10 people months ahead are already excited about this book, 
I initially was going to place an order for five copies, but sounds like I'm going to need to like maybe quadruple that order now if 10 people already want it. And maybe we should even have a display. And you think about that on just a one store level, multiply that by how many independent bookstores there are in the entire world. Um, or your local library. You can also put in a pre-order with your library if you're someone, um, you know, if you're, a, if you're a classic romance reader that probably reads a lot of romances a month and you cannot purchase every single one that you would like to read, you can also reserve a copy with your library. Um, and it just lets, you know, whichever place you are getting the book from know, oh, I'm excited about this. And if a lot of readers are, which we hope there will be, um, then that will cause them to increase their order. And it may even cause us as the publisher to increase the number of books that we're printing because um, we want to be able to satisfy that demand. So it's one of the reasons that we as a publisher and the authors push for pre-orders so hard because we really want to be sure that the bookstores or the you know library or the distributors know hey, these are going to be in demand. Um, and truthfully, this is what helps support, you know, the author whose work that you love. You know, when people say this author is an auto buy for me, that's wonderful. We love hearing that. Um, and it really helps the longevity of an author's career um, if we know that people are continuing to be excited to read them. Um, and I feel like it's really important for me to say too, um, you know, that there are so many authors out there uh, there is infinite space on everyone's, you know, shelf, I think. Um, and it's incredibly important, especially for authors that are newer to the genre, that we do support them um, as they're growing. And it would be wonderful um, if you could support them by, you know, lodging your, or casting your pre-order, if you will, um, with your local store. And hopefully that local store is Poison Pen. We'd be happy to. Another question I had for both of you is you talked a little bit about some of the trends um, in romance, fiction, mm -hmm. romanticy, paranormal, rom-coms. What other things are you seeing as publicists that you're thinking readers are going to be looking for and finding in their bookstores and libraries in the coming year? So I think um, sports romances are on the rise mm -hmm. right now. Um, I don't mind that at all. I am a huge sports romance lover. That is really what um, I would say got me through those very scary years right out of college, which feels a very long time ago. Um, there's something about a spicy athletic story that I think readers really like. I think it fulfills maybe some type of fantasy of what their college or high school or whatever experience might have looked like. Um, so Recently, we've seen a lot of amazing sports romances come to the table, and I think we're going to see even more over the next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. I think the other thing that's going to continue, um, we've already seen it, you know, multiple times, but I think it will continue uh, on, is kind of action and adventure in romance. Um, you know, Carly uh, Walker's The Takedown is a great example. Um, we have The Spy and I coming up next year. Joe Segura has action adventure. Um, I just think that there's something really fun. It's kind of like when you think about um, an action movie that you love, and so many of the action movies that I love often have, you know, a romantic element in them. 
uh, where, you know, the protagonists get together at the end. I mean, I think that's the fun of it, right? So, so many of the novels that, you know, were after like have an adventure component or maybe like, you know, country hopping, um, something along those lines, because it offers like exciting heightened circumstances, um, you know, maybe eating sexy foods. Uh, I always love, you know, a novel where I'm being kind of whisked away on an adventure, um, maybe light amounts of danger, not too much danger, depends on the book. Um, I'm not looking to have danger in my real life, but like possibly some in the romance is fine by me. So we blame it all on Romancing the Stone is what you're saying. That is correct. In fact, Romancing the Stone is the perfect comp um, for Joe Segura's Raiders of the Lost Heart. Like, that's exactly what it is, except our, our heroine is really the most adventurous one. Um, another thing that you both talked about a little bit, and for those um, tuning in now or later, there's a wide range in sensuality in the romance genre. So sometimes people who are new to reading romances think, oh, they're all spicy or they're all this or they're all yeah. that. But actually there's really romances for every kind of reader. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think what's so special about romance is you can find anything you're looking for. So if you want extreme steam, I mean, call me, I'm your girl. I, I will be happy to point you in the right direction. Um, but if you're a person that loves to leave something to the imagination, um, or you just don't need that, or you're really looking to kind of focus exclusively on the emotional journey of the characters, there's so much of that out there. And I, I think sometimes there's this misconception that, oh, well, if you don't want steam, then the only place you can find that is maybe in an inspirational romance, mm -hmm. which isn't true at all. I mean, inspirational romances are wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not really looking for an inspirational romance and you're not looking for an Amish romance, both of which generally do not have any steam, um, that's okay. There's still tons of fabulous romances out there that just kind of, you know, either have a closed door aspect or like almost entirely closed door. And Kristen, I'm going to let you mention Melody because that's who first came to my mind because there's wonderful romantic tension, um, but it, there's not, um, there's no like explicit steam or anything like that. Just like incredible, like Jane Austen style tension. Yeah, so Melody Edwards um, does these wonderful modern reimagines of Jane Austen. So Jane and Edward um, came out last February and it's completely closed door. Um, I could not put it down. I actually read it in one sitting. That's how much I loved it. And I love my steam, um, but I think this just speaks to the beauty of a closed door romance at times. And, and you use the word sensuality. And I think sometimes a closed door romance um, can almost be more sensual or sexier than um, a more open door romance. And that is because it's up to our own mind to, to imagine what happens. Um, so uh, Melanie Edwards does a wonderful job of building up this tension between the authors. And it's not necessarily a sexual tension. It's just some type of tension um, based off of banter, based off of their personalities. It's a, definitely a grumpy sunshine mix there. Um, so when these two characters do, you know, come together, um, it isn't the center of the novel. The center of the novel is their love. Um, and I loved it. I think that is a great example of a closed door romance that um, yeah. you can imagine what goes down behind the door, 
but that is not really the driving force of the story at all. Yeah. And, and speaking, Kristen, of you reading it in like one sitting, that's what I did with Melody's second book, uh, which comes up in, I think it's February, Once Persuaded, Twice Shy. And Persuasion is probably my favorite um, of, you know, Austin's work. And it's also my favorite of like the movie, um, you know, versions. And um, I just loved like this really fun Canadian set Um quirky uh, romance that, you know, reimagined a story I already loved um, and did it with an incredible cast of people in a modern setting um, and a very persnickety goose is involved as well. And that will just make you chuckle every time the goose comes onto the page. So highly recommend that one too. Since both of you work in marketing at Berkeley, um, and promoting authors and getting to the them to the attention of readers. What are some of the challenges? Because there are so many books out there. How do you make a book stand out? How do you find the right reader for it? What are what are some of the ways you're finding that you're succeeding? Oh boy! I mean, if when we figure that out, we'll let you know. <laughs> um, I mean, it it really is to some degree, you know trial and error and experimentation and it feels like we're constantly changing um and be, that's because we are you know what worked 10 years ago five years ago a year ago um seems to change all the time and you know at the end of the day Kristen's and my job is getting the book to what we think of as kind of gatekeepers um to readers, that those are people that very vocally talk about books that they love and will share them with their audiences. So for us, it's about getting them to those kind of most influential gatekeepers, whether that's, um, you know, a media contact at a print publication, a, you know, TV newscaster, a blogger, um, a columnist, a freelance journalist. It's really reaching out to the widest possible group of people and hopefully getting them to fall in love uh, with our books. And a lot of that's relationship building. So I, I would say even more than talking about the individual book, for us, it's building relationships with um, you know, key people. And once you have that a, you know, established uh, trust and rapport um, between you, you're able to get them excited about things that, you know, we're excited about. Um, but it's really important to know their taste and what might appeal to them, because some of them really like steamy, some of them don't, um, and some kind of fall in the middle. So it's always trying to, I think, um, matchmake the right book with the right person um, at any given time, and then hopefully have them talk about it with their audience. Um, Kristen, I know you probably have more to say here too. Yeah, like Erin said, I wish I had the answer. I think right now, what for me personally, what I have found works is I kind of lay everything on the table when I'm pitching. Um, so I don't, I tell the contact everything they need to know about the romance. If it's really spicy, I make sure they know it's really spicy. If it's a closed door romance, I make sure they know that. Um, I tend to get really um, 
risque with my subject lines. That's something that I have a lot of fun with. And at first I was a little nervous about, but um, people love it. If anything, they get a good chuckle out of it and it makes them want to at least see what this crazy person is um, talking to them about. So I think, and that's something I've learned working with romance books, what makes it even more cool than it already is. Um, The audiences are open to many things. So I can get very frisky in an email or a subject line. And maybe five years ago when I uh, was working on different kinds of books, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that, but nothing's off the table with romance books. So I do get a little risque, I think. That's what's working for me right now. Uh, It might not be working for me in six months or a year, but I think uh, not holding back when it comes to talking about romances has, has really helped. I think that's smart. And um, you mentioned your job as being a matchmaker. And I think for readers, that's important because there are so many choices out there. You as publicists are matchmaking books with different people. If someone, a reader, doesn't know what they want next, they need to find their version, which could be a librarian, a bookseller, their best friend, someone who they can kind of talk with and discuss, this is what I'm trying to find in a book. Because I think one of the downfalls of all these many different sources of information is readers are overwhelmed and they're just grabbing at something to find something. I I completely agree. I mean, it's that old saying of analysis paralysis. You have access to so much information that it can feel like being firehosed with information like which one do I actually want to try um and it's one of the things that we we hope we provide you know like I think sometimes through our own social media um as well as in you know approaching gatekeepers because I think when a reader really begins to identify with a particular romance reviewer or columnist or, you know, influencer. Um, and they say, oh, I've really liked three or four books that this person has recommended. So maybe I'll like other things that they recommend. Fabulous. That's, you know, why we keep reaching out to these folks because we hope that they will, you know, kind of draw more and more readers um, to the, the books that we want them to be excited about. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Berkeley does provide some newsletters, e-newsletters to readers that they can sign up for. Indeed. Um, Penguin has, of course, a whole host of different newsletters um, across all of Penguin Random House. Um, But we do have a very specific romance newsletter. um, And I know you can sign up for it on PRH.com. And John, I can always send you the link uh, after this because I don't have it on me right now. But there is definitely a newsletter that readers can sign up for because we are constantly happy to talk about the wonderful romances that we have. That's great. Um, I think another important thing that you mentioned that we can reinforce for readers is to give new authors a chance. Um, It's really important for an author starting out in their career. And one thing I tell people that come into the bookstore and who used to come in the library when I worked there was try a book. It doesn't mean you have to finish it if you don't like it, but you never know when you're discover someone new. Absolutely. There are so many fantastic authors out there just waiting to be discovered. And the truth is, even established authors are waiting to be discovered um, by new readers because you discover a book the first time you know you read it. It's new to you. It doesn't mean it has to be new to everybody else. 
Um, and, and I especially will say that for authors of color, it's so important um, that we all read outside of our own experiences uh, because you never know what you're gonna learn, what you're gonna understand um, based on trying a new book. And I, I think the thing that we all find reinforced over and over again, when we read a fantastic book um, by someone with a different lived experience than our own is that you know we recognize each other's humanity and that we all have so many of the same desires, uh, hopes and dreams. And I mean, the wonderful thing about romance is that it is aspirational and I think affirming. Um, and I hope that that's what everybody gets out of the romances that they're reading. We can all use a little bit more of that in our lives. Um, Indeed. Now I'm going to take a, before we run out of time, a quick turn to asking you both something a little bit more personal as mm -hmm. readers. Um, what were the books or books that got you hooked on the romance genre when you were first starting out? Oh, that's a good one. Kristen, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah. Um, mine was Twilight. I was in eighth grade and my best friend left a copy, a paperback copy of Twilight in my locker. Um, and I was actually a delayed reader. So I had to go to a tutor because I couldn't read up until like the second grade. So that is like my big story of like being such a reader now. And from that moment on, I feel like my entire life changed. And I remember going to a midnight release of um, Breaking Dawn that August before I started high school. And I thought I would attract all of the boys by wearing a Twilight pin on my purse in high school. And it didn't work <laughs> to no surprise. Oh, and uh, I started reading romance in, um, I guess it would have been kind of the mid to late 90s. Um, so at that time, historical romance was still booming. Um, so really, I got my start on authors like Nora Hess, Cheryl Henke, Connie Mason, Georgina Gentry, um, kind of now people we think of as like doyens of uh, historical romance. And then I quickly moved into kind of at the very end of the 90s, um, paranormal romance, because it was really starting to take off at that time. Um, and I got on a huge paranormal kick for years. And um, I mean, I still love paranormal romance, but um, it's so fun to me now that I can just read based on mood. If I'm in the mood for romantic suspense, I have my go-to authors. I read a few of those and then I decide, oh, time to go back to read a historical. I read a couple of them, switch to contemporary. Um, it's amazing to me, you know, how much there is. If you want nearly any kind of romance, someone's got it. You can find it and it will probably be delightful. Um, do you both read exclusively within the romance genre or do you read outside? What book would someone be surprised to find on your bookshelves? Um, I try to read outside of the genre because I think it actually makes me more well-versed in just books as a whole. Um, I always joke that I tend to start the year like in January with a lot of literary books and then I go right back into romance. <laughs> um, I would say you'd be surprised to see Babel by R.F. Kuang on my bookshelf. Um, that's pretty fantasy-esque literary. Um, and it was amazing. And it wasn't necessarily a romance novel. I mean, 
certainly the majority of what I read is romance. Um, I do read um, some like straight up kind of, I guess I would say more suspense novels, um, usually with a very strong mystery element. Um, and I really love procedurals, which probably would surprise people. Um, like I love Linda Castillo's um, series about an investigator um, in Ohio who was born and raised Amish um, and no longer is Amish. Um, and she is now a local sheriff um, investigating, you know, uh, a number of difficult crimes. And I really, really love her work. Um, still read Sandra Brown, have for decades, always will. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else that would surprise people. Oh, it might surprise people to know that one of my favorite books of all time um, was written by Dean Koontz. Um, and it is called The Oddkins, A Fable for All Ages. Um, he wrote this book years ago, and it's sort of meant to be, um, it's modeled after a children's story. And my parents read it to me, or my dad specifically read it to me when I was eight years old. He got it for me for Christmas. Um, and the inscription that my parents wrote to me in it was, we felt this, the magic when we read this book, and we hope you always will too. So I try and reread that book once a year. Um, it is about toys that come to life and this incredible journey that they go on. And it's one of the most heartwarming books I've ever read. It really talks about found family, friendship, um, the community that we make, um, and how strong you know the bonds of, uh, of love are. So it's not a romance, but it is very much about relationships. Um, there is actually a little bit of a romance in it. No surprise to anybody that I like it. Um, but it's such a sweet book. And I think you can only find it like on eBay now. I still don't understand why somebody has not republished it uh, or repackaged it, but it is truly one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. It's amazing. I can't believe how quickly our time has flown by. Um, we've been very fortunate to have with us here virtually at the Poison Pen two Berkeley marketing geniuses, Aaron Galloway and Kristen Sapola, who've been discussing new and upcoming romance titles that you are more than welcome to reserve through the Poison Pen, your local independent bookstore, or at your local library. I'd like to thank Aaron and Kristen for sharing their love of these books. I can't wait to read them. In fact, I may be contacting you later today to see about getting copies of some of them. <laughs> you are very welcome to, John. Thank you so much for hosting us. It was a true pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you for your amazing questions. Those are so fun. Oh, yes. you're both delightful. Have a wonderful day. And I'd like to thank everyone who's tuned in to this very special virtual program at the Poison Pan. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. Please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.